this new bonus episode of the podcast is called, Is it inconsistent that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us, but he had consequences for some in the books of Lamentations and Ezekiel where they die? I felt led to do this research because there are some who try to dissuade others from believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because he has punished people over time or some people have died. Having read the Bible from cover to cover many times, I wanted to research specifically to see if these consequences were unwarranted as they suggest. To do this research, I will use the New King James Version of the Bible, also known as NKJV, and internet resources as needed. Since the Bible sometimes uses the word him and the word he within the same verse, I will include who is speaking and who is being spoken to within brackets, if I determine it's beneficial for clarity. Additionally, I will put my analysis, comments, observations, and conclusions within brackets as well. For those who would like to read this research or previous biblical research projects in their entirety, you can go to either of these two blogs I felt led to create. Biblical Proof, found at HTTPS, colon, double backslash, Biblical Proof, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-P-R-O-O-F dot blogspot, B-L-O-G, spot.com or do biblical inconsistencies really matter at https colon double backslash biblical inconsistencies b-i-b-l-i-c-a-l-i-n-c-o-n-s-i-s-p-e-n-c-i-e-s dot blogspot b-l-o-g-s-p-o-t dot com no this is within brackets at times, the same event will be in two different books of the Old Testament. In that case, I will analyze the event most often in only one of the books of the Bible so that the research is not repetitious. Also within brackets, the thing is, God gives us choices. We can choose to follow him and his statutes, but when we don't, there are consequences. He most often explains what he expects or wants and has prophets that will do this for him. But there is always the alternative for those who worship idols, live wickedly, and lead others astray. So within brackets, although those listening to this on the podcast can't tell, on the blogs I mentioned, I will have the portions highlighted in yellow that shows God's compassion, the negative consequences of their choices in green, and when they are warned in turquoise. Additionally, note, God often uses prophets to warn people of their poor choices, but regardless, God has already shared the Ten Commandments with his statutes to not worship idols, false gods as well. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fell not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Chapter 3, verses 31 through 33 goes on to say, For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Chapter 3, verses 39 through 41 further says, Why should a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Chapter 3, 52 through 57, yet says, Mine enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They silenced my life in a pit and threw stones on me. The waters flowed over my head, and I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. 
who have heard my voice, do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. Within brackets I have, even though they are captive, the Lord is compassionate and merciful and will not cast them off forever and only has consequences for those who go astray by worshiping idols. The person who was chased down to the pit called on the Lord and God told him to not fear. Ezekiel chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 says, Moreover, he, which is God, said to me, Son of man, surely I will cry off, I will, sorry, I apologize, I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem, and they shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure and with dread, that they may lack bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. Additionally, chapter 5, verses 5 through 9 says, Thus says the Lord, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are all around you, have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, indeed, I, even I am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of, of the nations. And I will do among you what I have never done and the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations. So they're worshiping false gods and have the, the different, um, it's hard to explain. Um, the rituals and things like that. Some of the rituals are they have the children walk through fire and just all kinds of terrible things. Anyway, chapter 5, verses 11 through 17 further says, Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore I will also diminish you. My I will not spare, nor will I have any pity. One third of you shall die of the pestilence and be consumed with famine in the, your midst. And one third shall fall by the sword all around you, and I will scatter another third to all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. Then shall my anger be spent, and I will cause my fury to rest on them, and I will be avenged. And they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it in my zeal when I have sent my fury upon them. Moreover, I will make you a waste and a reproach among the nations that are around you in the sight of all who pass by. So it shall be a reproach, a taunt, a lesson, and an astonishment to the nations that are all around you. When I execute judgments among you in anger and fury and furious rebukes, I, the Lord, have spoken. And when I sin against them, the terrible arrows, arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, I will increase the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. So I will send against you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Within brackets I have, because they chose to worship idols, Jerusalem's consequence is that famine, pestilence, and the sword because of their iniquity, going astray, and doing abominations. And this is an aside. With doing this research in the Old Testament and 
seeing all doing this in the different books of the Bible of the uh, Old Testament part portion of the Bible. Um, it's very interesting to me. I mean, it's been just amazing. But I will see that when they have a prophet or a ruler that they follow that follows the Lord, that's people follow the Lord. Or not all people, but most people do. But then once the ruler or the prophet dies, then they are led astray by what the neighboring countries do, you know, and worshiping false idols. And they, most of them seem to take it on hook, line, and sinker and end up really becoming enmeshed with those uh, traditions of following false gods. And God does what is necessary depending on how enmeshed they are with these different um, things where they've gone astray, the different following God and the traditions and all. And he has different consequences for them depending on what's going on. And um, sometimes he will have them go into captivity. And so they, after a while of being oppressed by whatever rulers or where they are, they'll think, why is it this way? It didn't used to be this way. And it, and of course, this is really loosely paraphrased. And they will say, well, but when we worship God, we didn't have all this oppression. We had food and we had water, you know, and there wasn't famine and we had our crops went well. Let's turn back to the Lord. Sometimes that's what He uses and it works for them. Or sometimes it works for some and some don't do it and then they have their consequence. And then are sometimes that it is where they are killed because they have led so many people astray and they do not turn back to the Lord even after they're warned and warned and warned and warned again. And because this is for different generations of his people and that it seems like they keep being led astray over and over again. Anyway, the thing is, is but he quite often has like in the following um, passage, warnings where he's telling them that if you you turn from all this wickedness and you turn to me your lord i will forgive you you know you might have a consequence but i will bring you back i will forgive you i will welcome you with open arms it just depends on the situation and when they do he is open to them and he forgives them which is so significant because that means he forgives us if we turn back to him no matter what we've done in our lives we turn back to him and ask him genuinely ask him and turn to him then he will forgive us but when they turn away from him or they choose not to heed the warnings then he has the consequence so people say whoa we don't want that consequence let's turn back to the lord Anyway, like I said, this is my interpretation, and it is, you know, it's off the cuff right now, so I got to get back and focus. Ezekiel 6, um, two, verses 2 through 10 says, Son of man, let your face toward the mountains of Israel and set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, and to the ravines, and to the valleys. Indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. Then your altars shall be desolate, and your incense 
altars shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain men before your idols, and I will lay the corpse, corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. In all your dwelling places, the city shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, so that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. Your idols have been broken and made to cease. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works may be abolished. The slain shall fall in your midst and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yet I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered through the countries. Then those who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous hearts, which doesn't mean going after other spouses or partners. It means that adulterous heart that they're leaving and going to false gods. Um, that's an aside. By their adulterous hearts, which has departed from me, and by their eyes, which play the harlot, which is talking about the same thing, after their idols. They will loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in all their abominations, and they shall know that I am the Lord, and I am not sent in vain that I would bring this calamity upon them. Within brackets, I have God says through Ezekiel that people who choose to worship idols will be slain, and the places they worship the idols will be destroyed as their consequence, and those who escape will know he is truly God and will regret what they have done. Ezekiel 7, verse 27 says, The king will mourn. The prince will be clothed with desolation <clears throat> and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their ways and according to what they deserve, I will judge them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Within brackets, I have God judges and has consequences according to the people's choices. So they know he is God. Ezekiel 8 verses 2 through 18 says, then I looked. And there was a likeness like the appearance of fire from the appearance of his waist and downward fire from his waist and upward like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out, he is stretched out, the form of a hand and, I said it wrong, he stretched out like the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair and the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in visions to God to Jerusalem to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was which provokes to jealousy and behold the glory of God of Israel was there like a vision that I saw in the plain so this is Ezekiel and he has several visions um, with God then he said to me, son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north. And there in the north of the altar gate was this image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. So he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, son of man, dig into the wall. And then I dug into the wall and there was a door. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations, which they are doing there. So when I went in and saw, and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel. So this is the side. Israel is supposed to be God's people and worship him. And they have 
and then all this stuff where they're um, worshiping false idols and I have all these abominations going portrayed all around on the walls. And there stood before them 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst stood Jaazaniah, the son of Shaphan. Each man had a censer. The censer is a thing where um, incense comes out. It's an implement that they put incense in and it goes out through the holes. And a thick cloud of incense went up. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do to in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols, for they say the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, turn again, and you will see greater abominations than they are doing. So he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house. And to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tamaz. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn, you will see greater abominations than these. Tamaz is false god to the best of my knowledge. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house and there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. And he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence. They have returned to broke provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I also will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Within brackets, I have God wanted Ezekiel to see the abominations the priests chose to do behind closed doors by worshiping the sun and the idols, so they will get the consequence for these things. Ezekiel 9, verses 3 through 11 says, Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he, which is God, called to the man clothed with linen, who had the writer's in corn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done with them. So this is an aside. So God has a mark put on the people who follow God and who are upset about all these abominations so that they aren't killed with the consequence of the people that are doing these abominations and did not heed the warnings that God gave them. To the others, he, which is God, said in my hearing, go after the him through the city and kill and do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay the old and the young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin in my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to them, defile the temple, which has become a temple of abominations and false idols and worshiping false idols and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing them, I was left alone and I fell on my face and cried out and said, ah, oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? Then he, which is God, said to me, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great and the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare nor will have pity, but I will 
recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then, the man clothed with linen who had the inkhorn at his side reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. Within brackets, I have God has the man in the linen put a mark on the forehead to save those who have not chosen to worship idols and mourn that some do worship idols. The rest are to be slain who chose not to remove these abominations from leading others astray. Ezekiel 11 verses 1 through 12 says, Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward, and there at the door of the gate were 25 men among whom I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azer, and Pelatiah, and I may not pronounce these right, I, I just do my best and pray my way through the son of Benaniah, princes of the people. And he, which is God, said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city, who say the time is not near to build houses, the city is the cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them, prophesy, O son of man. Then the spirit of the Lord fell on me and said to me, Speak, thus says the Lord, thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city, and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, your slain whom you have laid in its midst, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron, but I shall bring you out in the midst of it. And you have feared the sword, and I will bring a sword upon you, says the Lord God, and I will bring you out in its midst and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments on you, and you shall fall by the sword, and I will judge you at the border of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. The city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall it be the meat in its midst. I will judge you at the borders of Israel. Chapter 11, verses 15 through 21 goes on to say, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives, your countrymen, and all the house of Israel in its entirety are those about whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get far away from the Lord. This land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far among the Gentiles, and though I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. And then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Within brackets, I have God is going to have those who chose to worship idols to be delivered into the hands of strangers, and many were slain to know to know he is the Lord. God will bring those back who choose who chose to stop their abominations and worshiping idols, and he will give them a new heart to follow God's statutes. Those who don't stop these abominations will have the consequence of their choices. And all these people have been forewarned, or the leaders of the churches have been forewarned to let them know. Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 7 says, So I did as I was commanded. I brought out my belongings by day and as 
supposed to say it, so I apologize. As though going into captivity, and that evening I dug through the wall with my hand, and I brought them out at twilight, and I bore them on my shoulder in their sight. Chapter 12, verse 11 goes on to say, Say, I am assigned to you, as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. Chapter 12, verses 15 through 16 further says, Then they shall know that I am the Lord, when I scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the country. But I will spare a few of their men from the sword, from famine, and from pestilence. That they may declare all their abominations among the Gentiles wherever they go. They shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 12, verses 17 through 20, yet says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, eat your bread with quaking, and drink your water with trembling and anxiety. And say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord God to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the land of Israel. They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with dread, so that their land may be emptied of all who are in it, because of the violence of all those who dwell in it, then the cities that there are inhabitants shall be laid waste, and the land shall become desolate, that you shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 12, verses 24 through 25 further says, For no more shall there be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel, for I am the Lord. I speak, and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed for your days, O rebellious house. I will say, the word and performance, says the Lord God. Chapter 12, verse 18 goes on to say, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed anymore, but the words which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. Within brackets I have, God wanted Ezekiel to dig through the wall and take his belongings out with him as a sign of what will be done, what it will be like to go into captivity. And those who chose to worship idols would be scattered. Some will tell of their abominations. The cities will be laid to waste. So they come to know God as the Lord, and they would to no longer turn to people, to diviners, or those who prophesy lies, but turn to God. And a minute ago when I said that God has warned them through prophets, he has, but it also is written in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, that they're not to worship false gods, idols. And so people know this ahead of time, so even if they didn't hear the prophets prophesy these things to them so they can say, whoa, I don't want this consequence. I'm going to turn my life back to God and worship him only. You also know because they are taught the Ten Commandments and they know that it says that in the Ten Commandments. Okay. Um, in this particular one, I have the analysis before the passage. Says God's upset with the false prophets and the diviners who prophesy false things and say it's from the Lord, but it isn't. So his hand will be against them, so they come to know God is the Lord. God will deliver his people from their hands. Ezekiel 13, verses 3 through 4 says, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. Chapter 13, verses 6 through 11 goes on to say they have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision and have not spoken false divination? You say, The Lord says, but I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, 
Therefore, I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the house into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God, because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be a flooding rain and you, O great, and you, O great hailstones, shall fall and stormy winds shall tear it down. Chapter 13, verses 20 through 23, yet says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls like birds. Ezekiel 14, verses 2 through 8 says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put them before them, that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I, this is God, let myself be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your face away from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart, and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man, and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 14, verses 10 through 11 goes on to say, and they will bear their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired, that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profaned any more with all their transgression, but that they may be my people and I be their God, and I may be their God, says the Lord. God, chapter 14, verse 23, yet says, and they will comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and you shall know that I have done nothing without cause, that I have done it, says the Lord God, Within brackets, I have, God has, Ezekiel tell them the consequence if they choose to continue to worship idols of false gods so that they will know that he is the Lord. Ezekiel 5, chapter 15, verse 8 says, Thus I will make the land desolate because they have persisted in unfaithfulness, says the Lord God. Within brackets, I have, God has Ezekiel explained that their land was made desolate due to their choice in persisting to worship idols and false gods. Ezekiel 16, verses 62 through 63 says, And I will establish my covenant with you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth any more because of your shame. When I provide you an atonement for all you have done, says the Lord God. Within brackets I have, God will provide atonement for those who are ashamed for their choice of worshiping idols. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 12 through 18 says, If he, which is a man, has oppressed the poor and needy, robbed by violence, not restored the flesh, lifted his eyes to idols, or committed abomination, 
if he has exacted usury, that's a, like profit from people that he shouldn't have, you know, like because he's supposed to lend to the, I think it's the other Israelites without trying to make a profit on them. Or take an increase, why he then live? He shall not live. If he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. Blood shall be upon him. If, however, he begets his son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers but does not do likewise, who had not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, has not oppressed anyone, nor withheld the flesh, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing, who has withdrawn his hand from the poor, who has not withdrawn his hand from the poor and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgments and walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he is truly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence and did what was not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Chapter 18, verses 22, I mean 20 through 32 goes on to say, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from his sin, this is a really significant part. If a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions which he had committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man is, does, shall he live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of all of them he shall do. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he does that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does that which is lawful and right, and he preserves himself alive, because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not fair, O house of Israel. Is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his way, says the Lord God. Repent and turn away from your transgression, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Within brackets, I have God has Ezekiel warned, if a man chose to worship idols and to do hatefully, his death will be his consequence. But if his son chooses to worship the Lord and follow God's statutes, he will not die for the wicked choices of his father. God also says that if someone who has was wicked and turns to follow the Lord, his wickedness will be forgiven. On the other hand, if someone follows the Lord and starts worshiping idols, he will get the consequence for doing so. Also within brackets, 
I have. Ezekiel was asked by God to warn people of their choices and remind them that if they turned back to the Lord, he would forgive them in the following areas, the cities and countries. And I have colon and I've listed all of them because he goes from city and countries uh, prophesying uh, God's command for the people to turn away from the idols and their worst, their evil ways and um, follow God's statutes and worship him only. And he does this over and over again instead of copying and pasting over and over again what he says, which is pretty much the same thing. I've just listed all the places and told you. I've been telling you what he says, and he pretty much says that same thing in all these areas. So I have the following areas, cities, and countries. Jerusalem, Israel, Judah, land of the Ammonites, Edom, Magog, Gog, the Philistines, Tyre, Sidon, and I think the Philistines live in Philistia, so I may not have a word to just write, but anyway. And Tyre, Sidon, Egypt, Ethiopia, Libya, Lydia, Tub, Samaria, Damascus, Peter, Hazor, Elam, Babylon. I have done it in this way instead of repeating the same basic information over and over again. Next is Ezekiel 20, verses 39 through 44. Which says, as for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, go serve every one of you your his idols. And hereafter, if you will not obey me, but profane my holy name no more with your gifts and your idols. For on my holy mountain, on the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God, there all of the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them, and there I will require your offerings, and the first fruits of your sacrifices, together with all your holy things. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all your doings which, with which you have you were defiled, and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all the evils that you have committed. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O house of Israel, says the Lord God. Within brackets, I have, God doesn't want Israel to profane his holy name with gifts to their idols. The Lord will bring them back from the countries where they have been scattered because of their choice to worship idols back to the country that God had promised to their fathers. Then they shall feel guilty for all the evil they have committed against the Lord. Ezekiel 21 verses 21 through 22 says, For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads, to use divination. He shakes the arrows, he consults the images, he looks at the liver. These are all um, like gypsies and stuff that do these things to foretell things. In his right hand is a divination for Jerusalem to set up battering rams to call for a slaughter to lift the voices with shouting to set battering rams against the gates to heap up a siege mountain to build a wall. Chapter 21 verses 25 through 27 further says, Now to you, O profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day hath come, whose iniquity shall end. Thus says the Lord God, remove their turbans and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Insult the humble and the humble 
and humbled the exalted. Overthrown, overthrown, I will make it overthrown, I will make it overthrown, it shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Within brackets, I have the king of Babylon will have the consequence for worshiping idols and using divinations, consulting arrows, images, and liver for forecasting things like fortune tellers. Ezekiel 22, verses 28 through 29 says, Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the strangers. Chapter 22, verse 31 goes on to say, Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and on their own heads, says the Lord. Within brackets I have God's people choose to turn their backs on him, which is God, by worshiping idols, trying to foretell things, and sharing false visions and lies, saying that they were from the Lord. So they will have the consequence of all their wicked ways. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 22 through 36 says, Therefore says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, or O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst and in the nation and the nation shall know I am the Lord, that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell on the land that I gave to your father and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it. And bring no famine upon you, and I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase of your fields, so that you need never again bear the reproach of fam the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for the iniquities in your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God, let it be not known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say that this land that was desolate has become like a garden of Eden and waste. Wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Within brackets, I have, although the Israelites have chosen to profane God's holy name and needs severe consequences, but due to the promise that God, the, that the Lord God made to their fathers, which is their ancestors, 
When they return to worshiping the Lord, he will allow them to return without further consequence and he will provide a new heart within them. He will protect them from famine and multiply their crops. They should remember and be ashamed of their wicked ways and worshiping idols and remember how terrible things were when they did that, when they worshiped the idols, things were terrible and how wonderful it is now because they worship only the Lord God who has made this land like the Garden of Eden. Ezekiel 37 verse 23 says, They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Chapter 37 verses 27 through 28 further says, My tabernacle shall also be with them, Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations will also know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Within brackets, I have God is saying through his prophet Ezekiel that the Israelites will no longer choose to worship idols and do wickedly and choose to worship the Lord God. He will cleanse them from their sins, and his tabernacle and sanctuary will be in their midst forever. Ezekiel 39 Verses 20 through, 20 through 29 says, The Gentiles to know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hid my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me when they have dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid when I have brought them back from the people and gathered them out of their enemies lands and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Within brackets I have, while they are in captivity, the Israelites will know the Lord is God when they realize how unfaithful they were to him. God will be merciful and bring them back to dwell safely in their own land, and they will bring and they will hallow the Lord God who brought them back to their land. So this is all our side now. I I think I mentioned earlier that this is so amazing. God had warned people through his prophets and through his commandments that they're only supposed to worship him, the true God, and not worship false idols and not to the terrible rituals they had the people do to worship the idols. And when they are led astray, it has consequences for them. Sometimes they're led into captivity. Sometimes they have famine. Sometimes they're too far gone and they're killed so they could not be corrupting everybody else. And and then they God has provided um, prophets and leaders that help them refocus back on God true God, not the idols. And and they do well for a while, but when uh, these leaders and prophets that God has 
provided for them die, they often get led astray by the neighboring communities and countries and start worshiping idols again. It happens over and over again, but over and over again, try to have them warned so they know what the consequence will be, hoping they will say, oh yeah, we want to turn our ways around. And, and sometimes they do it, but often they're stubborn and they, they God calls them stiff-necked people because they don't turn their ways around. And then they have to have consequences before they say, oh, yeah, things were pretty good back when we were worshiping the Lord. And things are really terrible now. Let's turn back to them. And this happens over and over again. Anyway, I do need to also tell you and apologize in advance that I found out I left the last half of Ezekiel out of the first podcast uh, draft. And so I have just added that. So it includes all the main things I was researching through, I mean, it includes all the things I was researching, but I'm not good at editing. So there may be like a little glitch in how it joins into the next section. And I apologize that for in advance, but you have all the material and forgive me if it doesn't have a nice smooth segue. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hands and they shall no longer be as prey in your hands. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, because with lies you have made the hearts of the righteous bad, whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not run from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Within brackets I have God's upset with these false prophets and the diviners who prophesy false things. Oh, I apologize. That's the analysis, and I moved it down below. Um, but I'll finish saying it and say it's from the Lord, but it isn't. So his hand will be against them so that they come to know God is the Lord. God will deliver his people from their hands. Next, how do we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us? Think about it. How could the exact things done to Jesus be predicted all these hundreds of years before his birth if it weren't for God the Father having prophets write these predictions down to be included in the Bible? God knew that some would doubt, so he left us biblical evidence. So we know Jesus is truly the Son of God by fulfilling these predictions. The prediction in Psalm about Jesus being God's son, God's letting David know something he will say to his only begotten son, Jesus, and this is in the Old Testament. I will declare the decree the Lord God said unto me, thou art my son, this day I have begotten. This is from Psalm chapter two, verse seven. The New Testament proof this prediction was fulfilled. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. That's from New Testament, chapter Acts 13, verses 33. Verse 33. This is predicting a virgin will bear the Son of God. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil. And choose the good, for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest, which means hate or strongly dislike, shall be forsaken of both her kings. That's from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14 through 16. 
The New Testament proof of this fulfillment. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is the plot to betray Jesus, predicting the 30 pieces of silver Judas was given to betray Jesus as used for the potter's field. And I said unto them, If ye think good of me, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver, and the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter a goodly price that I was, I within brackets priced of them, and I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That's from Zechariah chapter eleven verses twelve through thirteen. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment, and they consulted together and brought with them the potter's bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 7 through 10. This predicts Jesus' disciples, Judas, would betray him. Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which I did eat of my, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. That's from Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. This is more than New Testament proof of fulfillment because this particular Bible passage at the Last Supper shows Jesus knows full well he's going to be betrayed by Judas. Who else could do that but God's son, Jesus? When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Then there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. This is an aside. That's the Apostle John, not John the Baptist. He had been beheaded before this time. But this is Apostle John, and he talks about himself in third person, and he often says that he is the disciple that Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, which is Apostle John, to ask who it was of whom, which is Jesus, spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he, who is the Apostle John, said to him, which is Jesus, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he, which is Jesus, gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, which is Judas. Then Jesus said to him, Judas, I'm telling you it's Jude, that him is Judas, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he, which is Jesus, said it this to him, which is Judas. 
For some thought, because Judas had the money boxes, Jesus had said to him, buy those things we have need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor, having received the piece of bread. He, which is Judas, then went out immediately, and it was night. That's from John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. This is more New Testament proof of the prediction's fulfillment. And this is when Jesus took the remaining disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and went to pray. And this is the passage. And while he, which is Jesus, was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he, which is Judas, went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him, which is Jesus. But Jesus said to him, which is Judas, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on the soldiers, came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. That's from Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 50. This Passage predicts that Jesus will be beat and spit upon before they crucify him. The Lord God had to open mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned my back away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. That's from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 through 7. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plotted, plated a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment of clothing on him and led him away to crucify him. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 26 through 31. Within brackets, I have Jesus knew he would have to go through all of this in order to save us from our sins so that believers could have salvation in heaven with him someday. If it were me, and I knew people were going to spit on me and mock me and beat me, it would have been a real game changer. But Jesus went through all this for us anyway, knowing all of this in advance. Next is predicting bystanders would divide Jesus' clothes and cast lots for his coat. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 18. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. This predicts the piercing of Jesus' hand and feet when they nailed him on the cross. For dogs have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have, in, I have within brackets, the word enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 16. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment that this is the same day that Easter rose, that Jesus rose from the grave on Easter, but it's not the morning. This is later in the day, like 
verging on evening or in evening. And I picture it in a cabin, but it's some kind of like a house or something. I'm not sure. Okay. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he, which is Jesus, had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. That's from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, it was predicted what Jesus would say on the cross when he died for our redemption. I have this out of sequence, but my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from my words of my roaring? That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. This, the New Testament proves this verse was fulfilled as in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why, has, why have you forsaken me? Next is predicting Jesus would not suffer corruption. Other words, his body would not rot. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer your holy Thine holy one to seek corruption. That's from Psalm 16, verse 10. The fulfillment of this verse is in John 20, verses 25 through 29, when Jesus shows himself to the disciples the second time after arising from the grave. So this is a whole other time than Easter, and it will tell you when in the passage. The other disciples therefore said to him, which is Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he, which is Thomas, said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he, which is Jesus, said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hand. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You have, within brackets, you have heard all these predictions of Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, his birth, betrayal, death, and resurrection, and the fulfillment of these. Here are some additional noteworthy passages so you are not led astray by those who would try to dissuade Christians from believing in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jude forewarns us of those trying to lead believers astray from the love of God and Jesus Christ, his Son. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved by Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied beloved i gave all diligence to write unto you all the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints for there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our god into lasciviousness evilness is another word for that and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Jude 1, verses 1 through 4. 
I this is an aside. It's more or less it's saying that there are people who you know present themselves as if they are spiritual people believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and but they twist it around to their own benefit and turn it into evil things, or they twist it in ways to lead people astray and, and for their own benefit. Jesus Christ, God's Son, washed our sins from us when he died and arose from the dead. And here's the passage. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kingdom of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and princes unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's from the revelation of Jesus Christ, last book of the Bible. Um, chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Jesus tells John, the Apostle John, in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, that they should stay strong, hold fast, and repent, because Jesus comes like a thief in the night, and believers undefiled shall walk in white with him, and Jesus will not blot out their names from the book of life, but will confess their names to God the Father, and they should focus on what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. And this is Jesus speaking because it's all in red. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. And hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come upon thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white. And I have clothes um, or garments, and it symbolizes purity. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the, the Spirit says, saith unto the churches. That's from the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Within brackets, I have um, all my re after all my research analysis, I have determined that it is very consistent that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to save us. When some in Lamentations and Ezekiel had the consequence for worshiping idols where they died. Also within brackets, I have God gives them and us choices. If we worship the Lord God and follow his statutes, he will provide for us and support us. But if we choose to turn our backs on him, he will turn his back on us as well. Um, now, this is a side. Um, just because we're Christians and now Jesus is our Savior doesn't mean we're going to have steak every night and we're going to have the job we want, the fancy car, the, the particular phone brand we want. It, it's not coming, it's a worldly thing. God will be with us through good and through bad, but it doesn't mean we're going to have the worldly things we ask for. Um, within brackets, much the same as it says in Deuteronomy 7, chapter 7, verse 16, also you shall destroy all the peoples from the Lord your God, whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. He's saying that people, that they should be destroyed or sent in captivity 
if they're leading other people astray. Why is it significant that God gave his only begotten son to die for us? Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 1, no, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him in this, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or substitute for our sins. First Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21 says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, with your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Within brackets I have, not only do I base my analysis on all these predictions from Jesus in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New Testament, but also on the following Bible verses. When he, which is Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice from heaven came, saying, This, a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, which is the Jordan River. And immediately coming out from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's from Mark 1, verses 9 through 11. This is an aside. This, you might think that these both sound similar. And it's because they are. In the... Bible, there are, especially in the New Testament, there are different disciples that are sharing what they saw and heard. So as additional witness that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, he said and did the things he said and did. Now, did they all say it exactly the same? No, because just like you and me, if we saw a particular incident and we all shared it, we'd all say it in a way with our wording, so we paraphrase things or from the perspective of where we're standing and what we saw heard and so in Matthew 3 16 through 17 it says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased where Mark 1 verses 9 through 11 it says you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased so they didn't say the same but basically the same and Mark has additional information where it says Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee where the passage in Matthew didn't say that so some had more information, some less. And, but this is all testimony, and it says pretty much the same thing. And also, um, it will be that some are disciples that there were additional disciples in addition to the 12, because there were other followers of Christ, who will take eyewitness testimony from others, witnesses and they will record it in the Bible as well. 
or there are disciples like Apostle John, whom in my research I have found doesn't always put some things that have been adequately recorded. So he might not put that passage in his books of the Bible, I mean his book of the Bible, or he may only put things that he felt were not adequately recorded and he puts some additional information or he will tell other information he was privy to see and witness. Um, but it is additional proof if you ever watch any of Jay period Warner Wallace's videos and he's a cold case detective and the only cold case detective and he has gone through the Bible and has researched Jesus's life and the Bible and creation and different things to find out if they are valid testimony and is found over and over again they are they're just amazing you should see them if you have a chance okay I need to get back to what I was doing when all the people were baptized it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized and while he prayed the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven and said you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased this is from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. And John, this is John the Baptist, bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, which is Jesus. I did not know him, but he, which is God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John, which is John the Baptist, stood with two of the disciples and looking at Jesus, he walked, as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. That is from John 1, verses 32 through 36. At Jesus' transfiguration before he betrayed, here are these passages. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. That's from Matthew 17, verse 5. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. That's from Mark 9, verse 7. While he, which is Peter, was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and while they were fearful as they entered the cloud, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. This is from Luke chapter 9, verses 34 through 35. Now my soul is troubled, and this is Jesus saying it. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's from John chapter 20, 12, verses 27 through 28. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we were made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, which and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's from Second Peter, verses one, verses chapter one, verses sixteen through seventeen. Remember John 3, 16 through 21, where Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe 
is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Within brackets, I have my advice to you is to follow Jesus Christ, the light of the world that can lead believers to salvation in heaven with him someday. And you don't have to do something fancy. It doesn't have to be in a church. You don't have to sign a paper. You don't have to say it out loud. You can do all those things. But all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you're my savior. Forgive me for my sins. And then you say it in your own way. You don't have to say the words I say. But he will lead you. Will you be perfect? No, nobody's perfect. But if we keep believing in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and ask him to forgive us when we sin, and he will, and he will forgive us and take us to heaven someday to be with you, with him, because he will forgive our sins and lead us to heaven with him someday. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me in my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.